welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. In the U.S. uh, Civil War, Robert E. Lee was the general in charge of the Confederates, all the people down the south fighting against the Union up north, and they had their own president. And he was asked by the president, Jefferson Davis, to give his opinion about a certain officer. General Lee responded with a glowing report. One of the officers that was with him was amazed at his words and said to General Lee, General, do you know that the man of whom you speak so highly to the president is one of your bitterest enemies and never misses an opportunity to criticise you? And Lee said, yes, I know that. But the president asked my opinion of him. He didn't ask for his opinion of me. And I thought, that takes character. To be able to speak well of a critic and overlook any personal differences or injury or offence means something healthy and strong is going on on the inside. Bob Gass wrote in his daily devotional earlier this week uh, on that subject and he says, it takes very little effort to respond in kind to a critic, but it takes a Christ-like character to turn the other cheek and bless them. So it's no surprises to find out when I did some reading that General Robert Lee was very well known for his Christian faith. A number of his letters and recorded quotes reveal this. He said, uh, in regards to his role as leading the army, uh, I tremble for my country when I hear of confidence expressed in me. I know too well my weakness, that our only hope is in God. He said... Uh, I've fought against the people of the north, but I have never cherished toward them any bitter or vindictive feelings, and I have never seen the day that I did not pray for them. On the Bible, he said, I prefer the Bible to any other book. There is enough in that to satisfy the most ardent thirst for knowledge, to open the way to true wisdom, and to teach the only road to salvation and eternal happiness. It is not above human comprehension and it is sufficient to satisfy all its desires. And then I like this quote too. He said, I like whiskey. I always did and that is why I never drink it. Uh, He was smart, man of conviction, man who was living from the inside out, which is what we've been talking about, and uh, having good character in us so that we can be a positive influence to the people in the world around us, rather than reacting to the influences around us and uh, and freaking out and fretting and being, you know, stressed and suffering because of just circumstances and situations. So we're finishing this series today for the final look at the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, what the Holy Spirit produces in us when we let him take root and grow in us. And, uh, of course, we've got a choice. We can make room for the Holy Spirit to do his work, to, to follow him and, and lean in towards him and listen to what he's saying and, 
and let him produce his fruit in us. Uh, but we can also follow other urges and desires that are in us. And the Bible, in the old traditional sense, calls it the flesh. Or the more modern translations talk about the sinful nature. And we've got these two competing natures going on. Our spirit touched by the Holy Spirit, quickened by him, wanting to follow him. But also our base natural instincts that can lead us away from the Holy Spirit. And of course in Galatians we looked at this passage well known that contrasts the two ways of living and then it finishes with this list of character qualities we call the fruit of the Spirit. So I want to look at this passage again with the message version. This is the paraphrase, not such a direct translation from the Greek, but it uh, captures really um, you know, in a fresh way uh, what it's on about. He says, It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all of the time. That's the sinful nature. That's living by the flesh. He's saying it well. Basically, trying to get your way all the time. And this is what happens. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. <laughs> this isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But what happens when we live God's way? This is living by the Spirit. He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Isn't that cool? And, uh, you know, as I said, the more direct translations from the original Greek in those last few verses list nine character qualities, and he's, you know, phrased them up in a fresh way, but uh, they are, um, in probably the translation that you would have, listed as love, and there they are from the NLT, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, and as I said, the, the message translation describes well the difference between these two ways of living. And I know which I prefer, because you can see, if you've got this fruit, the nine qualities mentioned here, being produced in your life, it's going to make life sweeter for you, not just for the people around you. Uh, because when we interact with people, we're effectively tasting the fruit of their spirit. You know, we are, we're engaging and spiritually and emotionally and socially tasting from someone. Um, Tony uh, put up on Facebook earlier this week, I think it was, a video of a whole bunch of uh, babies and their reaction to being given a lemon for the very first time in their life. And you see all these little kids on their high chair and they're hungry, you know, and they're keen. 
and then they and you see their eyes light up and they got the lemon and they yeah and then the face of you know not just surprise but shock and horror and the and the mouth going and the eyes watering and flat and looking wildly what was that and what have you done to me and who gave me this and the, and the, you know it's just like a funny little excerpt of there's about five of them, they all do the same thing. Mouth goes mental and the eyes are freaking out, you know. And, uh, and of course, lemons are sour and they discovered that. And, uh, and we've got to think, what kind of a reaction do people have when they come close to me? You know? Do they go away going, ah, yeah, wow, man, whoa, yuck, yeah, quick, give me something sweet, you know? Or hopefully they aren't tasting a sour kind of spirit but a sweet one, ah, and they have a great taste left in their mouth. You know, the aftertaste we talk about of a meal. And when you're with someone, you, you, you're socially kind of feeding on that relationship and then you walk away and you, you have an aftertaste. Well, of course, the Bible says in Pro, uh, Psalm 16 verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, that's good and we've got to be aware again we you know spiritually we have senses we can hear from god and we can look and see in a sense god and where he's leading we can also taste and of course when we come close and you've been in the presence of god like our worship session this morning or in your own prayer time or walk on the beach or in the early in the morning or whenever you connect and engage you don't ever walk away with a bad taste having been in god's presence do you you don't ever walk away thinking oh well, that was hopeless does he think he is? Or, uh, he's a bit, a bit sour, isn't he? A bit cranky. He's not angry. He's not God with the stick and the beard and all that. He go away going, wow, wow, God is great. And, oh, you know, your spirit is sweetened. And, uh, and of course, we are called to represent God to the world around us. So people should be able to say, taste and see that the Lord is good through that encounter with that Christian and that they taste the Lord in us, Yeah. And so this is our calling. And obviously, if we can live God's way with those two different styles of living or lifestyles uh, in that passage, obviously, it, it's better to make that decision to, to follow God. And we, of course, we do this every day, a daily decision to say, Holy Spirit, grow in me, touch me, forgive me, produce your fruit, fruit in me. And, uh, and so in regards to the fruit, we talked about love. Joy, peace, patience. Ruth touched on patience last week. And then there's five more that are mentioned here. I'm not going to go into detail on each one. Um, but they overlap. They work together. And they're quite similar in that all of these are very uh, visible in our lives if they're growing in us. They're reflected in our behavior because they're not just feelings or qualities that are hidden away inside. They're, they're internal values, but they're also really noticed um, in people's lives, in our behaviour. Because they're really only evident when we act upon them. You know, the first few that are mentioned, you can have love, joy, peace, patience on, on the inside and depending on your personality, they may not be so easily recognised. But these character traits, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, uh, of course they come from within, but they're, people are going to experience them. You're going to see it and people get ministered to by them. Uh, and interestingly, you know the word faithfulness there, most Bible versions use that word, faithfulness, but the most accurate translation 
is simply the word faith because the word is pistos, the Greek word, and uh, that's the only word used in the New Testament for faith. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth, the famous preacher, uh, he said, and was well quoted many, many times, faith is an act, not a feeling, not just a concept, but of course it leads to action. And and so again, that's going to show up uh, in our external behavior, even though it's, it's also an internal value. Um, and also notice with these uh, qualities, there's a combination of the Holy Spirit working within us, but also our will. And uh, it'd be nice if these qualities all just miraculously, automatically, continually did their thing and they were all that happened and all that was produced in our lives and that's all that people ever experienced. But of course, the Holy Spirit might stir us and prompt us and grow and develop in us, but our will, our own decision, our own behavior, it, it's, there's an interplay there of those two things. So, for example, with kindness, uh, you can, you can f- have a kind feeling towards someone, but they're not going to know it unless you act on it. And that's why we talk about acts of ki- kindness. People talk about random acts of kindness or passing it on and showing this value, being kind to someone. So you can't just wait. In fact, you, you, you can develop kindness by not just waiting for the warm, fuzzy feelings that will lead you to do something kind. You can decide to be kind without feeling it. You can just do something for someone and the feelings will flow. And it's exciting. It's an adventure and a challenge for us to overcome selfishness and to lean into the leading of the Holy Spirit and uh, and discover a better way of living where you're doing what Jesus called us to do, you know, the golden rule, do to others what you'd like them to do to you. And you, you, we teach our kids that, but sometimes we have to relearn it ourselves, you know, and actually act on an unction from God, not just waiting kind of, you know, for the feelings to hit us up and stir us that way. Um, of course, that's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive because being kind, showing kindness is just a version of giving. And when we do that, then we have this sense of blessing. Uh, so as I said, there's a tension between the, the power of God and the power of our will, between what God does, what we do, uh, us allowing the Holy Spirit to grow within us. And Danny Silk wrote a great book. He talks about this in his book called Keep Your Love On. And, the, and you can tell from the title, he's hinting at where he's coming from, which is being responsible He talks about having great relationships and being loving, not just hoping for love to come into your world. And uh, he talks about being a powerful person. He uses this phrase, powerful people and powerless people. And he says, in order to build healthy relationships and keep great relationships, he he says this, you need to be a powerful person. Powerful people take responsibility for their lives and their choices. And then he contrasts that with powerless people. And he describes powerless people as those who approach relationships as consumers. They're always looking for other people who have resources of love, happiness, joy and comfort to offer in a relationship to share with them because they don't have any. They subconsciously think, oh, you look happy. I need some of that happy in my life. 
we should get together so I can consume all your happy. And so, you know, this is uh, touching on the victim mentality that sadly we see in our society so much, where people are growing up thinking, somebody owes me something. It's not my fault. If I've got an issue in my life, there's a problem. There's got to be someone out there somewhere to blame and then they should fix up the problem. You know, this week a former Coles employee was awarded $1 million in damages because they slipped and hurt their hip when they fell off a small step. Uh, They use these steps to reach shelves when they're stacking shelves. Ironically, it's called a safety step. The lawyers for Coles told the court that the safety step was used by supermarkets across Australia and was an obvious piece of equipment for which no training was required. You'd think that's a pretty fair argument. But the judge disagreed, saying that the plaintiff was, and I quote, not properly trained in the use of the step. Now, honestly, I mean, you'd think normal workers' comp would cover, you know, any medical expenses. And, I mean, maybe this person suffered more than normal, and that, that's a shame, you know. But you can't apparently just say, it's an accident. It just says something about a society that these payouts occur, and that's, you know, not an isolated case. You read about that all the time. And you sort of think, really? What, what, you know, you're a growing person, and the responsibility is in this situation on the employer to teach people how to use a step. So this morning I've been advised by our WHS committee uh, to please don't stand up from your chair until you've done a training course on how to stand and sit on chairs properly. You know, honestly. So you know, don't sue us if you trip over your chair. Actually, no, sue us. We're well insured. Just tithe the payout. Um, anyway, back to the Bible. You know, the point is, you hear what I'm saying? It, it's very easy to adopt that, that attitude in our society. I told my father that story yesterday. He was born in the Depression. I've just received a transcript of my grandmother talking about her early years. Uh, she... She made some tapes on cassette tapes when she was old and she's passed away now, but in her late 70s for another relative, an uncle, who asked her to to make some tapes and then he typed them all out. And uh, I've never met this guy, but I heard about him. He's my, I don't know, second cousin, my father's cousin, something. And uh, he sent me these transcripts. They're all been typed out 20, 30 years ago. And my grandmother's talking about her life back in the early part of the 20th century, born about 19... 10 or something and then she talks about when she gave birth to my father in 1933 which is in the middle of the depression she said she had uh for two they were so poor she remembers for the two days before she gave birth she had two milk arrowroot biscuits and that's all she ate for those two days they couldn't get enough money together for food and uh but she would never you would never have known and i didn't know the how, how she was an orphan at 13 and she had a terrible, tough, poor upbringing and all that. But I knew her as a happy, positive, bit of an edge to her when I say happy. She's, you know, tough country lady that you wouldn't 
you know, do the wrong thing by it. But she was, you know, she got it. She got her act together. She lived a life. She got going, you know. And uh, and then my father similarly had a tough time early on, but made something of his life and career. And I told him that story, and he just said, "Wow, <laughs> you know, like million bucks for falling over." Yeah. Um, uh, uh, times have changed, and so we have this sort of culture. It's very easy in this culture to feel unloved, unwanted, unappreciated, hurt, beaten up by the world. And I mean, I've even seen people on Facebook saying, basically, I've got no friends. No one invites me over. And then, of course, yes, they'll draw the appropriate reaction and sympathy out of others just to keep them ticking along. But they could do better than that. They could get off Facebook and off the couch and get up and go out and they could invite someone else over to their place and be proactive and and reach out and bless someone and get busy enough loving other people that you haven't got so much time to think and worry about yourself. And so Danny Silk says again in this book, life doesn't happen to powerful people. They are happening. They are happening all the time. They're not affected or infected by their environment. They refuse to be victims of others. He says, so when I leave the house in the morning and my wife says, have a good day, I don't say, oh, I hope my day is good. I hope people are nice to me today. He says, no, my response is, I will. I'm going to have a good day because I'm a powerful person. I have a vision and a mission for my life. And I use the events of each day, whether positive or negative, to direct myself towards them. Come on, that's what we're talking about. And that's the way we should be living. Yeah, That's living from the inside out because you've got the glory of God in here. So we are... You know, strong enough, weak in ourselves, strong in God to be able to live that way. You know, I just want to make a couple of points. We'll come to a close. The, the first one is the purpose of living from the inside out and talking about this. When, when we have the Holy Spirit's fruit flowing, when he's building our character, when we're becoming more Christ-like, and rather than just you know, reacting in the flesh to circumstances, but being spirit-led and bringing solutions and a sense of God's presence and grace into situations. When we're living like this, with our convictions and our calling leading us, then three things happen. The first one is we get blessed, and I've touched on that, because we enjoy life with these qualities flowing from the inside. We've got joy on the inside, and, you know, joy is not happiness depending on a happening to make you happy and feel good, joy is constant. In the presence of God is fullness of joy, and we can be in God's presence at any point, yeah? And so you can, you can be full of peace and joy and love and these qualities. And, uh, and, and we can be learning, as Paul the Apostle did, the secret of being content in every situation. That's pretty cool. And then secondly, not just we can be blessed, but we can be a blessing to other people. Because as I said, the fruit that we've got in our lives are gonna, is going to be tasted by others and, and we're always going to influence the world and the people around us somehow. So as best as we can, we can grow in God, let the fruit be produced. And so it's going to be a good influence, a blessing to other people with our words, our attitudes, our actions. And that's going to just flow naturally out of a healthy, strong, sweet spirit. And then thirdly, we're going to bring glory to God when we live like this. Because, you know, we're called to reveal him to the world, not just reveal another insecure, beaten up, selfish person. That's easily done. 
you know, but we are ambassadors of Christ. And, and as we become more, you know, joyful, more loving, more self-controlled, more patient, then that's going to be seen as, well, that's not just a natural level of that quality. You know, in this situation, I was really expecting this guy here to freak out. You know, Byron has had, I point to you, but I could point to a few others. And I know situations where people have thought, oh, oh here we go, watch this. Yeah, he's going to, you know, lose it here or be angry about that or fall apart here. or, And then there's this grace that comes and this fruit from the Holy Spirit comes and you just forgive that person and you just carry on without reacting the way everyone would expect. And, and that's a witness and it brings glory to God. And then finally, my encouragement to us all is to use um, one of the most underrated weapons in our armory and gifts that we've been given from the Holy Spirit, and that is the gift of tongues. And as I said, we're going to talk more about spiritual gifts in this series that starts next week. And they'll do a survey with you and you can find out how you're gifted and what spiritual callings and giftings and talents you've got and how you can serve God with it. But one spiritual gift that is available to all of us when we're baptised in the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues. Heavenly language that we can use in prayer, but also just to edify us, just to strengthen us. It builds your spirit and it releases the power of God that's within you when you pray in the Spirit. Uh You've got your spirit being touched by God's spirit and then you bring that into some circumstances, walking out the door, going to work, walking down in your daily life, waiting in line, driving in the car. I mean, maybe not loudly all the time, waiting in line perhaps, but uh, you can be praying in tongues and speaking in tongues and the power of God is flowing and uh, that's waiting for us to use and sometimes it's 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 underused i saw people yesterday in the shops uh and there's so many of them with ipods and earplugs and they're with friends so i don't know you know some of them only got one in so they're still listening well yeah, yeah, listen to their music and, and having a conversation others just got two in just in the so, and yes, I know it's mainly younger people, but that's only because they understand the technology. You know, once old people figure out which end it goes in and how to turn it on, then, you know, we'll all be doing it. But I just think, wow, I mean, music's cool. That's great. I'm guessing they're listening to music. It's probably not, you know, like some podcast of preaching or self-instruction. It's probably music because people are wanting to be entertained. And it's like, but we need constant flow in is there nothing on the inside that wants to flow out because there's like i said the power of god the kingdom of god's within you the christ in you the hope of glory and so i believe just turning off the input sometimes and letting the output flow is going to build you up and bless other people again i'm not talking about going up to strangers and laying hands on them and praying and shambosh you know over the but just not needing a dose of input all the time, you know, having to have the music blaring in the radio or the car or the, just, you know, letting that voice and that strength that's from the inside. I'll finish with this. I spoke to a pastor. I know I said I'll finish with this a few times, but I have scriptural uh, basis for that because if you read the book of Philippians, Paul says finally in about chapter two and then goes on quite a while after. So it's all good. It's in the Bible already. Um, I spoke to a pastor uh, this week, and he's involved in a healing ministry 
teaches and is uh, on healing and has seen some great success. And he said most people need to press in with their gift of tongues. Most Christians don't use it. And he says um, he, he knows, he experienced the power of God when he prays and he sees other people praying and speaking in tongues. And he likened it to having a spare wheel in the back of your car, in the boot, uh, as opposed to putting the wheel on the car where it's meant to be used. And, uh, and I thought, yeah, I like that picture because, you know, we talk about getting traction in a certain area, you know, driving things along. And I think the Holy Spirit can help us flow with a lot of these concepts we've been talking about, stuff that's the Lord's doing on the inside. You know, in our prayer time, we come close, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, kingdom of heaven is building within us, the fruit of the Spirit's growing, but then flowing out into the world, maintaining that. And letting that fruit be produced and constantly picked and taken and tasted by people in our world. And that's our calling, yeah? Praise Him. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.